The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we do thank everyone for listening as always. And uh, you're listening to America's Web Radio and David's pick, as a matter of fact. And we've got a very special pick for today. And uh, we've had Dr. Don on before. And um, we're looking forward to him being on today. And uh, we're going to get to him right after a little bit. Uh, he wanted to play an intro, so... We're going to play the intro, and then uh, we'll go to Dr. Don Moeller, and we'll be talking about one of the most controversial uh, subjects going in uh, medicine, and uh, at least it's being recognized today. So let's, uh, let's play a little bit of the music, and uh, we'll get right to Dr. Moeller. Sometimes send a cold wind blowing through my life Sometimes we need the rain Cold and wet Reminding us and showing us It's easy to get left along the okay, way Okay, I'm going to open your mic. Okay, and uh, that was Lest We Forget, and uh, Dr. Moeller is a double-duty doctor, as a matter of fact. Uh, he's an oral surgeon, and he came back after practicing dentistry and decided to go back to uh, medical school and um, become an MD, so he's... Uh, DDS and an MD, and I don't know how rare that is, but uh, it's got to be fairly rare, but uh, we appreciate him coming on. Don, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing, I'm doing better than great. Better, better than, than great. great. Okay, that, that's the other side of perfect, right? Yes, sir, that is. Okay, well, we are glad to have you on, and we're going to be talking about Today, uh, a subject that's very near and dear to you and your practice, and uh, it's, I don't know, uh, I was trying to think last night, uh, any medical procedure, if you want to call it that, or, or any medical uh, explanation for something that's had as many terms as this has had over the years, everything from battle fatigue to shell shock, on and on and on. And sort of today it's wound up being called PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And you've become an expert in it as combining both your dental and your medical and come up with a device that uh, is I think you had told me 98 percent effective in if you're if you have if you've been diagnosed with PTSD and you do your own diagnosis as well uh, and you can't sleep at night well this product 
helps you sleep at night, and it's FDA approved. It's been around actually for years and years and years in one shape, form, or fashion or another, and we're going to let you tell us about that. But uh, like I said, can you name another, uh, you know, I, I've had a lot of friends because I, I'm from the Vietnam era. Uh, I'm a veteran just like you are. You were a medic in Vietnam, which uh, we applaud all medics by, you know, between the dust-off pilots the medics and the nurses that saved so, so many lives in Vietnam. Uh, first time that we ever really used the dust-offs, and I know for friends that were wounded, everybody I've ever talked to said as they were laying there, and once they heard that doom, 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 doom of the Huey coming in, it just it sparked them to, I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it. And, uh, medic jumps off the Huey and, and, uh, off the dust off and goes and the lives that were saved were incredible. But, so you come back from Nam, you're, you become a dentist and then, uh, decide, and I know the circumstances, we don't have to go into that, but the circumstance that, uh, made you go back to med school and, uh, you got more letters after your name than uh, most people have in their name. So welcome to America's Web Radio again, and we're going to talk about PTSD. And uh, again, can you name any uh, any diagnosis that has been called more things than uh, PTSD? Uh, well, it, it'd be hard to name one, but also from ancient Times it's even in the Bible, uh, in in ancient history, uh, PTSD-like symptoms have been around for millennia, and that's 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 good history. You know, and it's and everybody thinks that uh, it has to be from a war wound, but I had two very close friends from my hometown. One was from a wound and recalling all the trauma and so forth and so on. But the other was just, uh, you know, and I think uh, Black Hawk Down also stressed this, was a lot of it was just from the connection of your eyes to your brain and seeing some of the traumatic things that happened to people. And I know uh, one of my best friends who's, dead now from Agent Orange, but uh, I know he suffered PTSD, and it was from what he had seen, and then what he was asked to do, and what he did, and it wasn't, he, he did get a purple heart, and he had been wounded, but the PTSD was not from the trauma of a wound, but from the trauma of what he had seen, and seen happen to one of his best friends in Vietnam. And am I correct in saying that uh, this can come from, you know, it can come from a bullet whizzing by your head and not hitting you, but it, it, it's not necessarily related just to being a flesh wound or a wound. Right. Uh, here's something that people need to know, and veterans especially. Two things. One, PTSD 
does not necessarily have to be connected to battlefield trauma so civilians can get it. Oh, yeah. Expanding on that, the civilian uh, diagnostic and statistical manual number five, the one that came out a couple years ago, uh, now designates PTSD can occur from seeing and working with the dead, emergency room trauma, police and firemen, and in the civilian world, abuse as a child, marital abuse, and, and most importantly, just simply losing a loved one unexpectedly can have uh, uh, PTSD-like symptoms. And here's what you need to understand, that PTSD is not like getting shot with a bullet. There's the bullet, there's the shattered bone, there's the broken spleen, whatever. There are changes that occur, but you don't have an X-ray or didn't, and that's in my next comment. You didn't have an x-ray to show where your bone was shattered, or you didn't have a surgical report to say, yeah, this is where the bullet went through. Now, using uh, MRIs, magnetic resonance imaging, functional MRIs, PET scans, these are sophisticated terms that can show changes in your brain, uh, and these are documented. So if you said, hey, you've got PTSD and that's all in your head, most recent research coming out in 2020, uh, 2022, uh, will show, like, let's just go into the lab and do a study, and we will show you how these folks' brains, amygdala size change, hippocampus size change, these are technical terms of nuclei in your brain, they can show the war wounds on, on, on this MRI just as effectively as a gunshot wound. So the days of saying it's just in your head are, if you believe that, you're practicing medicine in the 20th century. You haven't come into the 21st century. You know, Don, uh, in my years, one of the things uh, I was in college besides a disc jockey was uh, I was an EMT, and uh, I saw some things. Well, well, let me ask, and this brings up, it's I can still remember some of the uh, accidents that I went to and, and uh, some of the uh, things that I saw. And also, uh, <laughs> maybe it's because I have a big nose, but some of the things I smelled during all of this. And uh, I don't... What what causes some people to be affected and have PTSD and other folks to see or be in the same situations and not have it? That, okay, the answer to that is quite complex. There are certain people, and, and this is from the literature, you may have anxiety disorder initially. You may have problems in the past with an abusive parent or you may have been uh, sensitized so your system already is sensitized, and then what you see pushes you over the edge. Now, it's also important for our veterans to know that there is a thing called, and I'll label it combat PTSD, which is different than just we'll call homegrown PTSD. And what I mean by that is putting on the wet backpack and hiking into the jungle every day for a year or in Afghanistan or wherever, knowing that you might be killed that day is a different and more difficult PTSD to treat 
than someone who has PTSD from a, a traumatic event that they saw or a loved one, let's say, passed away unexpectedly. They are two different diseases. The current, very current understanding of PTSD now is that if you're a veteran and you have combat-induced PTSD from day after day after day and deployment after deployment, that is a different type of PTSD. And if you hear from psychologists that they're not, they need to stick their nose in some recent literature, and I'll be that blunt. The next thing I will say about being sensitized. We cannot understand the structure of the brain to the nth degree to already know, but there are, it's the bell curve of truth that there are people who may have lived a life on, let's say uh, someone was abused physically, came from a, like Chicago, uh, the gun zone down there. Uh, they are more sensitized than someone who grew up on a farm. So your statement is correct. That it, uh, PTSD is, it, is on a bell curve of uh, sensitivities, of exacerbating situations, which may then be added to by the effect of combat or uh, what you did like as an EMT. You know, I... I guess, and this goes back to, well, I guess it goes back to the first war, just like you said. It's it's always been around. But in the United States, I guess they really started recognizing the problem after World War One, but didn't do a whole lot about it. And then it was, uh, what, shell-shocked after World War Two or during World War Two, And then, you know, it... it morphed into PTSD after uh, Vietnam and uh, you know it what I've seen and and I'm I'm not a doctor I'm not uh, you know just happen to know a lot of veteran Vietnam veterans but it can come out in many many ways just just like your expertise is in the functionality of sleeping, but you know it can not only be that the the veterans not sleeping, but uh, the nightmares that they may have. I know I had had my best friend who I just, I mentioned earlier, J. Roy, uh, did two tours in Nam and uh, came back, and we finished college together, and. Uh, he was my roommate out at my farm, and he said, don't ever wake me up, and, you know, particularly don't come in the room if, if anything happens. And one night it happened as he put his fist through the wall, and he was sound asleep when he did it, but I wasn't sound asleep after he had done it, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> right. And it, it'll come out in, in some, it'll come out, it's almost like, and this has been my experience, and again, you're the expert, but it's almost like it's, it can come out in a, in a violent manner, or it can come out after drinking, or it can come out almost as a snaky underlying problem, particularly I think this happens in marriages, where the it's almost like a person's a schizophrenic and that they'll, they'll have one personality right. and then 
totally change. You've hit you've hit on what PTSD is. And for the veterans and those police officers and first responders, you need they they need to understand PTSD affects let's start with your marriage, your social life, your social activities. Your brain has been upregulated. It's been sensitized. So now you perceive let's say large groups of people like crowds as being threatening your your brain has reformatted that to stay alive you know that it's possible in large groups of people for there to be bad guys so your brain is sensitized to be on alert the next thing that it can affect and and we'll, there's this conversation just on this alone would be a week of seminars the next thing it affects is your uh um, your physiological problems. There is now a direct link between cardiovascular disease and um, PTSD. And they've done studies, a fellow by the name of J. Douglas Bremner, B-R-E-M-N-E-R at Emory University, has done extremely sophisticated studies showing increased cardiovascular disease. As a matter of fact, in twin studies, he did one brother that went to Vietnam and another brother that didn't and mapped the changes in cardiovascular uh, or the rate of uh, needing for revascularization procedures. What am I saying? It affects your cardiovascular system, which means veterans with PTSD and others can expect increased blood pressure problems. With increased blood pressure, you get increased risk of stroke. You also have increased metabolic diseases such as diabetes, and the list goes on and on and on. Also, with the mental aspects, which people just seem to focus, and this is the new stuff coming out, especially in, in the cutting-edge uh, journals, PTSD has to be seen as a systemic, total-body medical problem. It is not a mental disorder that, hey, push through and get over it. That's so antiquated. So if you are a veteran with PTSD, you go, wow, that's how come I might have hypertension. It's also PTSD associated with increased obesity. It also is increased with, and this is one of my favorite things, increased problems in your oral health. And very little research has been done on this. And some very recent papers done in 2022 uh, come out with, if you have PTSD and you have uh, your jaw pain up there in the in the area where around your ear that's a temporal mandibular joint you may have jaw muscle pain uh, and remember your jaw muscle your chewing muscle goes up on the side of your head as well so that's that's just two for openers you have increased dental destruction so that's just one system that's affected by PTSD that is is not out there. So if you wake up in the morning and you have jaw pain and headaches, well, you know what you've been doing at night? You've been clenching your teeth. That's what you've been doing. 80 up to 88%, and this is from very recent literature and a study in Israel, 88% of the folks with PTSD, and this study was done at combat veterans, have pain and destruction in the dental system. So wow. that is how far PTSD has come from a soldier's heart or shell shock. That's incredible. And, and you know, I think that one of the best things is that it's finally being recognized. Uh, you know, 
for many, many years, even after World War II and through Korea. It wasn't, oh, well, he just can't, couldn't handle it, you know, or she couldn't handle it. The trauma was just too much for him. And it was sort of, it might have been diagnosed, but it wasn't, it hadn't been studied like it has been over the last few years. And I think this is a credit to you and and other professionals that have recognized that it is a problem. And, you know, it's like what we're going through right now and what we're going through with, uh, in my opinion, this is only my opinion, and again, I'm qualified to sit behind a mic and that's about it, but I keep thinking we're going to have a tremendous, I don't want to say, I don't know how to really describe it, but I think this, our situation with COVID-19, we're going to have people coming out of it with a semblance of PTSD that is going to be magnified over the next few years. And a lot of general or uh, primary care physicians won't know what to do with the influx of patients that are complaining about this or that, and the cause has been COVID. I think you're correct. And here's, in general, here's some figures. Between 6 and 8% of the population at any time has PTSD, and those are prevalent statistics. Now, when you look at stressful situations being dumped on top of this, let's go to Chicago uh, or Philadelphia or New York. Pick those three cities. Would you rather live there or in a nice, you know, town in Montana? Well, I guarantee you that the stress of getting up and living in Chicago is is as threatening as living in a war zone, and. Now, remember, take that bell curve of, you know, the statistical distribution. If you have people who are already anxious, already living in an abusive environment, and now you put them in an inner city like that, yes, you are going to see an increase in PTSD-like symptoms. And now, here's another very important thing that soldiers, veterans, and EMT guys, uh, police, have to understand. The idea of push through this, it's just all in your head, is garbage. Let me say it again. The idea that you can push through PTSD and a mental problem just because someone of your buddies says you can't is garbage. If someone gets shot in the arm and it shatters their ulna near the joint, hey, push through that. Just pick up your gun and see if you can keep shooting. Well, the answer is you can't. You're all through. That nerve has been shattered that wraps around your funny bone. You're not going to be moving that arm. Well, if I was to take you to the emergency room and take an X-ray of that arm and do sophisticated neural studies, it would say this, this EMT cop soldier can't pull that trigger because that nerve's been shattered where it entered the bone. Well, let's do something different. Let's take someone with PTSD who was told, just push through it. 
let's go do some sophisticated what, what coordination was, tests, what was the, what was the old, examinations. Don, what was the old term? What was the old term? Get over it? Yeah. And, and you know what? And that's because they couldn't see it. And let's give them the benefit of the doubt. We couldn't see it. So before they had x-rays in 1904, between 1904 and 1907, x-rays went to all the hospitals. Before, they only would guess at what was wrong. Now it brought some sophistication to it. Well, let's take, let's fast forward 100 years. Now we're, you know, 2005, we have MRIs, functional MRIs. These are sophisticated tests. We now, in PET scanning, we can now put a brain with PTSD, supposedly, the brain's in the person, obviously, and subject it to sophisticated studies and show that there are differences, okay? So PTSD is left. You don't tell someone with a gunshot wound to push through it or whatever the term you said, Dave. Uh, just get over it. Yeah, just get over it. You would never say that to somebody. They'd laugh at you. And that's another reason they give purple hearts to visible wounds. That's all they knew. Well, right now, if, if the, our soldiers and first responders have PTSD and you're having nightmares and you can't sleep and you're, you're jumpy, read the list. Uh, there's probably about eight major things that you criteria to get diagnosed with PTSD. Well, what happens to those people that only have three? And that's the thing you need to discuss, Dave. If you're having nightmares and you can't sleep and you have headaches and you're shaky, blah, blah, and your quality of sleep sucks, well, you don't have PTSD because you didn't score uh, in all eight areas. That's completely garbage. You have what's called sub-threshold PTSD, and I'll say it again sub-threshold PTSD, and I think a significant number of our soldiers, and that means above 10%, have sub-threshold PTSD on top of those that have diagnosed PTSD. So if you have the symptoms of sub-threshold PTSD, you're going to suffer just as much in those areas as someone with a medical discharge because of PTSD. On that note, let's uh, take our Take a break, and uh, we'll be back with Dr. Don Muller right after a couple of messages. Stay tuned. On August 8, 2022, in violation of the Fourth Amendment, the FBI performed a most egregious search of a former president's home. The Fourth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution provides that the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated and no warrants shall issue, but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched, and the persons or things to be seized. The Fourth Amendment originally enforced the notion that each man's home is his castle, secure from unreasonable searches and seizures of property by the government. We must take a stand, and take back our country. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Stacey Abrams says yes to defund the police as crime is on the rise in Georgia. This November, say no to Stacey Abrams and cast your vote for Brian Kemp. Start taking back our country from the liberal wokes 
by voting locally for conservative Republicans. You're listening to America's Web Radio and uh, David Spick with our special guest, Dr. Don Moeller on, and we're talking about uh, PTSD and all the other names that it might or might not have. And uh, Don, while we were taking that break, I was just thinking about PTSD can really start without without seeing or smelling or any action. I know that uh, when I was an EMT, there was always the thought of when you when we got a call to go. It didn't matter, but primarily if it was a either a domestic situation where. Somebody had been shot or stabbed or whatever the case might be. You didn't know what you were about to get into. And this is what the police go through day in and day out. They don't know what they're driving into. And uh, so it can really start before you ever get to where you're going. It's, it's As far as the military goes, in my opinion, PTSD can start as you're on the plane flying over to wherever you're being deployed. And I was interested in um, one of your statements that you had made, uh, the the different things that PTSD can, can affect, and one of them being spiritual. And uh, can you expand on that? Or will you expand yeah. on that? Yeah, Dave, I'll... I'll expand on that. We'll look at, the, you know, just say five areas that PTSD affects. And and being a, uh, a scientist guy, I, I want to put spiritual stuff right to the forefront. Now, at Duke University, there is a gentleman. These are highly qualified people. They have published so many articles. Uh, it's phenomenal. So, uh, Harold... Koenig, K-O-N-I-G or K-O-E-N-I-G, Harold, Dr. Harold Koenig at uh, Duke University. And I recommend this. Uh, if you Google Duke University's um, spirit, Center for Spiritual Studies, they have Doctor of Theologies on their staff who are also physicians. Now, this is phenomenal. Dr. Koenig has, has looked at the spiritual issue uh, in, in certain aspects with with what we call mental disease, depression. Dr. Koenig, and this is available on YouTube, some of this stuff, you can look at what's called a PET scan. That's a sophisticated, we'll call it x-ray study. But of a depressed person, and, and in a twin study, actually, two sisters, one depressed, they have both a tendency to be dep- depressed, but one girl was, a, we'll call it, uh, religious slash spiritual person. That's the term they use. Well, they, he can actually show a difference in the PET scan, blood flow, etc. of a, per, a spiritual person, we'll call it that, and a non-spiritual person. Now, this is a twin study. Now, if you take that further, Dr. Koenig and the Center for Spiritual, I think, therapy, whatever that is, that is a piece of the pie that the people who have PTSD must confront. And he, Dr. Koenig, has called this a moral injury. 
if you think that you have not suffered a moral injury by the garbage that you see in a war zone or things that you had to do, you're whistling Dixie past the graveyard. You just absolutely must consider the spiritual or moral injury aspect of PTSD. Without that, your chances of recovery are diminished. And that's right out of Harold Koenig uh, text. Now, you can order those on Amazon uh, or, I guess, from any book dealer. But Dr. Koenig has excellent texts on the efficacy and comparative studies of spiritual, spirituality, spiritual practice, and or religious practice on, uh, on PTSD. So you get a chaplain or your minister. In the old days, they were the bedrock of the community. Today, they've been marginalized, and, and they really need to be brought back. So you can make your own decision on that. I've made mine that unless you confront PTSD, the spiritual aspects of what's happened to your life, you're going to have a much less successful road to recovery. So, again, there are a lot of things that go into PTSD. Consider your physical injuries, such as your cardiac, your, uh, your um, endocrine system. Well, be aware of that PTSD can affect that. Be aware that it can affect your perception. Be aware that it can affect your moral injury and spirituality. So that's very perceptive, Dave, that you mentioned that because it's a critical thing. And we'll talk more about these on other, uh, other, other radio sessions, but absolutely you're correct in that statement. Do you, you know, and, and as far as I know, other than some, some drugs, but is there going to be, uh, magic pill down the road or is it just going to strictly be well take this before you go to bed and hope you sleep well well here's the problem your memories and we'll just take your example the sights the sounds and the smells now those the sights and the sounds and the smells enter your nervous system through let's say your olfactory nerve in the nose through your hearing your auditory nerve, and let's say you had something splashed in your mouth, it's going to go into your taste buds, okay? So now, that picture that you have of that trauma is not just encoded through your optic nerve, which is your visual, and your, and your, and let's say your mental, it's just not visual. All those aspects have been encoded into your brain. So is there going to be one pill that affects, now there are 12 cranial nerves. All of them are sending senses, sensory information to your brain. Is there going to be a pill that's going to hit all those nuclei in your brain? No, absolutely not. So you need to, people need to understand that that's the reason that, like for instance, when I smell 90 weight gear oil, <laughs> I flash back to Vietnam because, you know, when the vehicles got blown up and that's what you got splashed on, blah, blah, blah. Well, I go, well, how could that happen? That's just the smell of gear weight oil. Well, that was part of the engram that was put into your brain from the smell, the olfactory nerve, to complete that horrible moment. So in your mind, Dave, when you see 
just flashing red lights of the police at a scene, and you had to go in and be the empty. Just a flashing blue or red light, that was part of the encoding of that total experience that your mind, assemb- mind assembled as a manifestation of that event, which caused PTSD. That's how come those other things are so powerful. Uh, it's, a, it's a fascinating, well... I guess there's no computer in in history as fascinating as the human brain, and uh, working with it on it. And you know, this is uh, one of the reasons that we've been successful with talking to veterans. Is that which brings me up to another question? But uh, a veteran respects another veteran and will talk to them. And will come out of their, more likely to come out of their shell and talk to another veteran before they will even their family in many cases because of, of, uh, you can relate to the story, you can relate to this or that or, you know, whatever the case might be. And how effective, and I, I, uh, I must say I, I have all the respect in the world for doctors. I have very little respect for uh psychologist and quote in psychiatrists that I realize are doctors but uh you know in many cases they haven't been there or done that and don't really know what the hell they're talking about. But uh you know how effective is verbal communications with others that are suffering the same traumas, be it it might not be the same situation as everybody being in the same foxhole, but you know, been there, done that, and uh, and right, and talking right. it out. That's a complex answer with three parts. First of all, um, in primitive societies—I hate to call them primitive—we'll call them ancient societies. You were well aware of who the warriors were that left your tribe village to went out to go out and defend you. And when they came back, they told the stories, and the whole tribe would listen over and over and over again. And these people would be honored. Uh, and so you, you had to hunt for your food. So to stay alive, sometimes you had to hunt, unfortunately, for your enemies. Well, when you came back, you were incorporated into your tribe and accepted, and and the people wanted to hear the stories. Well, those people did not have the same amount of uh, effect of PTSD on their personal life. See, that's the social aspect of PTSD and, and how your social... The fact now, what happens? When you come back to a city and I call it people that live in Disney World, they don't want to hear about how bad it is outside of Disney World because we came here to have a good time. So, well, no, no, I want to take everybody at Disney World and tell them what it was like in Vietnam. They will walk away. They don't want to hear about it. So you think of your friends and family as people who have been living in Disney World. Well, they take this, took a select group of us and put us in, in non-Disney World. Well, here's what happens. When you see your veterans or any veteran that went through it, you are now back in the tribe. A fellow by the name of Ed Kick, who's a psychologist, wrote on, wrote on these. He's, he has very interesting views on this. But nevertheless, you would go back 
as a veteran to other veterans and discuss what happened in the war. And that type of therapy is helpful. Now, with respect to psychological therapies, there's several, there's a bunch out there. It's not just go talk to a psychologist. There's something called cognitive behavioral therapy. This is, this is valuable, uh, in, in that a good psychologist who is non-judgmental, and that's the first thing that you need. If you talk to a psychologist, if they're in the lifeboat with you, they are going to help you. If they say, push through it and get on with it, just walk out of the office. But let's say you've got a good psychologist, and there are many psychologists. What they do in cognitive behavioral therapy, in a nutshell, is they reframe that event. Like you say, I'm depressed, I was responsible for my buddy's death. Well, psychologists will gently peel off those layers and talk to you and say, you know what, If you, from the story you told me, you were in the mess hall, and just because you didn't show up that day to go on the gun truck route as a cook, you didn't kill your buddy. And, then, and you keep saying that, and you go, oh, I understand what you're saying. You took responsibility for something you had no control over. That is successful cognitive behavioral therapy. Therapy is called image rehearsal therapy. Now, what happens? Is that effective? Well, how would you determine effectiveness if most of the guys say, I'm not going through that scene again. I'm not going to rehearse that image. I'm not going to go back to that moment where my friends were just taken from me. Well, it might be effective therapy, but very few veterans want to enroll in that therapy. So, again, we're back to the bell curve. There are some people, and this is the way I look at PTSD, it's a giant pie of pain. And one piece of that pie is you're not getting enough sleep, you've got headaches, the quality of sleep sucks. So that's where the device that I'm working on, which is a neuromodulatory device, will help you get better sleep. Well, what helps neurological injuries? It's, It's been documented. You get good sleep, you have a better opportunity to get your nerve system healing. Well, what about the spiritual aspect? Well, if you had a moral injury, dumping pharmaceuticals into your brain isn't going to help a moral injury. So you talk to your minister about it. Well, what about if you have high blood pressure and you wake at night, blah, blah, blah? Well, then you need to see uh, a physician about that aspect of it. And then as we move back into the psychological department, you say, if you can't get the idea out of your head, that you caused the death of your platoon, then you need help from a psychologist, and they will help you. So no one can fix it all. The, the thing that I have difficulty with uh, is turf wars, where uh, you will get one group of psychologists or psychiatrists going, we have the cure, you don't need to go see the guy that has dog therapy and pet therapy. Well, that's just not true. You dog therapy and equine therapy, the study, people think if you can't reproduce it in a laboratory, it's not science. Well, then they have to answer the question, if I take my PTSD patient in and do an MRI and say to you, hey, Mr. Psychologist, what's going on in that brain? I just showed you on a molecular basis that there's a change that really puts this argument in an entirely different playing field. Your veterans with PTSD, there are five things that it affects, your social life, your marriage. In fact, if you have, uh, let's say, a dad that came back from Vietnam 
uh, and it just really had a super bad trip over there and is brutal to his family, PTSD can be transgenerational. Studies in Israel after the wars, PTSD, not genetically, but can be transmitted transgenerational through behavior therapy. Hmm. So as you understand, this is a very complex issue. It's not as simple, like you said, just push through it. On that note, we're going to take our last break, and uh, we'll be back with Dr. Muller right after a couple of quick messages. Start taking back our country from the liberal wokes by voting locally for conservative Republicans. Stacey Abrams says yes to defund the police as crime is on the rise in Georgia. This November, say no to Stacey Abrams and cast your vote for Brian Kemp. Veteran-owned America's Web Radio endorses and supports Dr. Rich McCormick for Georgia's 6th District, U.S. House of Representatives. As a decorated Marine helicopter pilot, and now an emergency room doctor who served on the front lines against COVID-19, Dr. Rich McCormick has never been afraid of a fight. Whether it's communist China abroad, or the radical left in America, Rich knows the next fight facing America is to stop socialism. He's all in. Vote for Rich McCormick. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And now let's get back to a most fascinating subject. And uh, you made the comment that this affects about 6% of the country. That'd be 18 million people or more, 19 million people. And so it's... And, and as we talked, it, you can be fine one day and then all of a sudden, uh, have the quote unquote flashback syndrome. And. Yes. Yes. And that's, I'm glad you brought that up, Dave. Let me tell you the figures on the military and veterans. It can be as high as 30%. But here's what happens. You can get back from Vietnam and have, you know, certain symptoms of PTSD through your whole life. But then when you retire and you're not going to work, having your job on your mind, or you're raising your teenagers, which is PTSD-inducing, just kidding. <laughs> uh, so, And then you're now at 65. Now those memories start leaking back into your brain because there's nothing to push them out. So you're in, the incidence of PTSD can actually increase with your age. So if you're a soldier in the infantry or special forces, rangers, the tip of the spear people, or Air Force, para-jumpers, Coast Guard, rescue guys, Navy SEALs, obviously. So what happens is, after you retire, these memories can then come by, back to occupy your, think, we'll call it thinking space. So you, the incidence of PTSD can be extremely high. Now there's something else, traumatic brain injury. In traumatic brain injury, up to 50% of those people with traumatic brain injuries, and they're, remember it's moderate, severe, whatever, can have PTSD. Well, what else goes with that salad bar with PTSD? Major depressive uh, disorder, 40 to 60%, depending on the population of PTSD folks you're looking at, 40 to 60% of them have major depressive disorder. So if you're a veteran, you go, man, why am I always down? Oh, well, I'll tell you when you're not down. It's when you're angry, and you're always angry. Like, why am I always angry? Well, wait a minute. 
you know, you have a right to be angry. You know, you do this or that, or you're a cop and deal with jerks. Wait a minute. Yeah, everybody can get angry, but that's one of the characteristics of PTSD. So now you've got this mix that your wife isn't happy, your kids aren't happy, they don't know why you're not happy, why you're angry all the time. And so you start putting the picture together. So to answer your question, how does PTSD present? Well, if you know all the subtle things that it can do, you can get to work on solving your problem. And that's where they have mindfulness therapy. We'll just call that, hey, buddy, why don't you just like calm down here? And you say, well, why? So because it's part of your disorder. It comes with anger. So when you look at that 6% across the United States and do different samples in different areas like soldiers, that we're talking about veterans, first responders, the incidents are going to be much higher. Now, my final comment that on, on that is, how many guys in the military that are ready to retire in three years knock on their commander's door and go, hey, man, I'm jacked up with PTSD. Well, go ahead and get your papers because you're through here. So there are a bunch of people on active duty, 100,000 easy, I would guess, with, with symptoms of sub-threshold PTSD that are muscling through their symptoms to make sure they get to ring the retirement bell. And I'll repeat that again. You may be having sub-threshold symptoms from PTSD on active duty or a police officer or fireman that you are simply pushing through to get your retirement. So now you know that the numbers of PTSD in the United States, and the same, let's say, with COVID, and those workers, they are simply pushing through to get their job done. And that's characteristic of our heroes. They push through to get their job done, and they really are suffering from many of the symptoms of PTSD. So we've kind of brought it all together here in a little, a little bunch. It's scary, isn't it? When you think of, uh, I'm sitting next to so and so, and uh, I know he was a uh, Gulf War veteran. And you don't know what necessarily he saw or did or anything else. Uh, it's, it's sort of like, is there any way in a, and this sounds a little gross maybe, but is there any way, I, I think of the postal worker that goes berserk and kills, you know, half the people in his post office or something. And is there any way in uh, autopsy to find any markers that say, well, he was suffering from uh, PTSD? Uh, no, because I, I will, if I give you an answer on the air, it's going to be that there's substantial literature to support it. Okay. So, uh, no, now, yes, if he had, if they did an autopsy and had a brain tumor that he didn't know because sometimes brain tumors are, are, are painless, yes, they could, they'd push it, but I think that would be the rare case. However, let's look at that, that special forces colonel a year or two ago that went ballistic up in Washington, D.C. He was a co coordinator for the special forces and operations teams. I can tell you, right off the bat, probabilistically, 
high probability he was pushing through big time PTSD. Those guys, those are heroes, went out there and day after day, due to not being with their family, to deployments, to dangerous situations, he was operating on the edge. And this is a probabilistic statement, a probably this happened. I don't know the man. But when you step back and you think some of these guys that, that have PTSD, what happens is you, your brain, your central nervous system's upregulated and we'll call it excited. And that that one guy in the service station that finally gives you the wrong change or burns your hot dog, that can be the thing to push you over. And that's why your comment on how do you know if you have PTSD, you basically look at the checklist and you start going down and you go, wow, that could be me. Well, then you get some help and say, hey, you know, we'll give you techniques to kind of downregulate your anger, downregulate this and that, and that the rest of the world isn't like the PTSD people. Now, let me tell you about that. When veterans talk to veterans with PTSD, you're all you're talking to a group of people that all were exposed to high stress situations. If you're talking to somebody that works in the library their entire career, and I love librarians, I was one once. Uh, that's a very peaceful place. Those people have a tough time understanding what it's like to be a cop in Chicago. So that's why I'm saying, you know, when you see that odd behavior PTSD. That's the thing that makes movies and sells newspapers. But that is not the average portrait of a, of a soldier or veteran, male and female, with, with PTSD. So just remember that, you know, the guys in the movies, PTSD vets, cooking off. That's the incredibly small percentage of them. Are we spending enough time and money and energy in studying PTSD now? The, the federal government has thrown a lot of money, but now we're going to talk. Here's how science works. There's work done by this gentleman at Emory in vagal nerve stimulation. Well, the vagus nerve, oh, yeah, you know, that runs through your guts, you know, and does blah, blah. Well, no, the vagal nerve goes everywhere in your body. Well, now they're finding out that vagus nerve stimulation has a potential in psychiatric disorders. Well, wait a minute. And let me tell you the transformational part of neuroscience, the basic stuff that you get in medical school, dental school, nursing school. The brain has a compartment for speech. The brain has a compartment for this. Well, now it is known that the cranial nerves, and I'll get very brief on what I'm doing, the cranial nerves are intertwined into the receptive areas. So the nerve, there, as a matter of fact, we'll take the lingual nerve. If you stimulate the lingual nerve, and this is in the literature, you can change the ability to stand straight in certain patients, let's say with Parkinson's. You go, wait a minute, that's the nerve for taste. Well, that is the compartmentalized old idea of how the brain is, work, is assembled. It's simply not true. Now, my work is with a trigeminal nerve, which is your jaw nerve. It comes from what's called the trigeminal cervical nucleus and mesencephalic nucleus. Well, I found out in my research, and the word is providentially, some people use the word serendipitously, but providentially, I found out when I made this big, thick thing to go in your mouth, I mean, thick by dental standards, 
it had the ability to work as a neuromodulator on the trigeminal nerve. Well, why was I finding out, and I did not publish this because I said, wait a minute, you can't join the Society of Wackos, but, but in certain PTSD patients who've had PTSD, it can change the way they walk, the way they carry their head, and their upper arm strength. And they go, well, how can the trigeminal nerve that in, in, in innervates the jaw muscles do that? Well, that's what current research is now uncovering in cranial nerves. They're not just for the sights, the sounds, and the smells. They do more than that, and they go to more areas. And this also answers your question. How come the sight or a sound or a smell bring back that situation? Because the, those nerves go to many what's called nuclei or processing centers. So it's a very complex disease. So now to answer your question, yes, the government's putting a lot of money into it, but they have to put it into the broad area of seeing PTSD as a spiritual disease, moral injury disease, a family disease, a social disease, a not... See, mental illness is a cheap shot. If you can't understand what Bob's doing or Sherry, you got mental illness. That's not true. If I bump your thyroid up level, I can make you crazy as a loon. And you go, well, it's not mentally ill, his thyroid's too high. See, so all these fields have to be examined in the treatment of PTSD. It's not just counseling. Not that the psychologist can't help certain aspects, but it's not a one one specialty solution for this disease. It's it's broad spectrum like a, a rainbow. I find this absolutely fascinating, and uh, you know, we're hopefully we'll be doing this often and talking about uh, new techniques of discovery and. Uh, you know, I, for some reason, uh, I think people say PTSD and they think it's strictly a male situation, which in fact, I know, uh, not a lot, but I, I've certainly known a share of nurses that uh, they too can suffer from, a woman can suffer from PTSD just as much oh, as a absolutely. man can. 50% of the patients are, are women. Easy. Sexual abuse and rape. Now, let's take rape. Military sexual trauma and civilian sexual trauma, that results in the same nightmares, the same headaches, the same crappy sleep. That's a medical term, crappy sleep. Yeah. Uh, as the males do. So the ladies in this situation are just as easily affected as men, maybe more, uh, maybe more. Don, I'm going to have to stop it there. We've run out of time, but we will be back. And uh, you've been listening to Dr. Don Moeller talking about PTSD, and we'll be back with more of Don uh, in the coming weeks. So stay tuned, and thank you for listening to America's Web Radio. Don, thank you. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.